Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello and welcome to episode number five of the Property Magic Podcast, in which I'm going to share with you how to maximize your return on investment and minimize the risks of investing in property. Very often, property trainers get accused of just telling people about how great property can be and get them excited about property and not mentioning the risks and problems that also happen when investing. So let me be really upfront here now. There can be lots of problems when investing in property. People make expensive mistakes. And look, I've made loads of expensive mistakes over the years. And that's actually one of the reasons you should invest in your own education to minimize the mistakes you make. It's much smarter to learn from someone else's mistakes than have to make those mistakes yourself. So please understand, you're always going to make some mistakes and that's part of the learning process. But you can certainly avoid the fatal mistakes that might wipe most people out. So when I first sat down to write the Property Magic book at the end of 2007, I'd been investing in property myself for 12 years by that time, and I'd been teaching other people how to invest since 2003. So I noticed there were often very similar mistakes that people made. Some of the mistakes that I had made, I noticed other people making as well. And so I wanted to come up with some guiding principles or some rules that anybody could follow to help minimize the risk of investing whilst maximizing their return. And that's when I created the five golden rules of property investing. Now, hopefully you've read my book, Property Magic, or you've listened to the audio version. And so these will sound familiar to you. But it's amazing how many people have read my book and yet they still can't tell me what the five golden rules are. And that's a real shame because I honestly believe if you really know these golden rules and take them on board, you will make far less mistakes. So for that reason, that's what I'm going to share with you in this episode of the Property Magic Podcast. So let's think about golden rule number one, always buy from motivated sellers. So what is a motivated seller? Well, it's someone for whom the speed and certainty of the sale is actually more important than how much they get for it. What this means is a motivated seller will be flexible on the price that you pay or the terms that they accept for the sale. So what that means is they're more likely to sell you the property at a discount or they're likely to agree to something like an exchange with delayed completion or a purchase lease option, which is a very powerful tool for you to use as an investor. Now, it's really important to understand that most people who sell a property, they are not motivated enough. They want to get the maximum possible price they can. And only a very small number of sellers are motivated that we really want to work with. And it's really important to understand what is important to those people. As I've said before, it's not always about getting the most amount of money. So let me give an example. Um, One of my mastermind students, Julia, last month at my mastermind workshop, she shared that she just secured a property £10,000 less than the next highest offer. Now, I can't remember the exact figures, but let's say 
someone else has offered £150,000 to this property. She secured it at £140,000. Now, most sellers would take the higher offer because they want to get more money. But Julia took the time to understand what was important to this particular seller. And in this circumstance, it was an elderly couple. They had a property they wanted to sell and they were on the waiting list to get a council bungalow. The problem is they didn't know when that bungalow was going to turn up and they didn't want to have the problem about selling their house once the bungalow was available. They needed to be able to move quickly. So what Julia agreed with them, that she would exchange contracts, so they definitely had a sale, and she would give them a delayed completion. She'd give them up to a year to actually complete on the sale. So they could stay where they were, and only when the council bungalow became available would they move out of the property and complete the sale. You see, someone else had offered an extra £10,000, £150,000, which was still a discount on the true value, but the other person wanted the sellers to move out of their property. This meant they'd have to go and rent somewhere temporarily. They didn't want to have to move all their stuff. And actually, Julia's offer, although it was £10,000 less, was more attractive because it gave them what they needed. Gave them the certainty that they'd sold the property, because once you've exchanged, you're committed to buy. But it gave them flexibility of moving out when they wanted, within a certain time period. So it's about finding these people who they want to sell. They've got some sort of motivation. And because of that, we can work with them to find an ethical win-win solution. So it is all about understanding the requirements of the seller. And that's actually what we're going to cover on the next episode of this Property Magic podcast. Working with motivated sellers is one of the best ways for you to build your property portfolio. Now, I want to be very open with you. Rule number one is the only rule that has changed over time. When I first wrote the five golden rules of property investing, I was buying a lot of property below market value for motivated sellers. And so when I first wrote the book, golden rule number one was buy below market value. However, I've changed and updated that rule because I found that a lot of people might be motivated and we can't actually give less than the asking price, but they might be flexible on the terms. And so by Calling rule number one, always buy from motivated seller, it leaves it a little bit open. We might actually pay the seller the full asking price or even more for their property. In fact, there are two circumstances where I would pay the full price. So the first one is maybe the price that the seller wants is already a good price. Maybe they have already reduced the asking price because they're motivated and the property is what's called priced to sell. So I've seen investors make the mistake where they maybe see a property on the market for 170000 because they think they need to always buy below market value. They try and offer less than one hundred seventy, And it might be that one hundred seventy is already a below market value price. It might already be a good price that the seller has set because they need that speed and certainty. And yet the investor, being slightly amateurish, think they want to try and get some more money off the price. Whereas someone else comes in and offers the full 170 asking price because they recognize it's already a good deal. Let's say you're buying a house that could be used as an HMO, a house of multiple occupation, and it's a very good return on investment, then it might be worth paying the full asking price. The second reason I might pay the full asking price or even more is if I have the ability to add value to that property. 
I can take it from a three-bedroom property and spend some money to convert it into a five-bedroom property, which is going to enhance the value, which means I could refinance the property and take out some or all of my money. And then that's then a very good investment. So golden rule number one is buy from motivated sellers, but I'm not saying always buy below market value, just to be really clear there. So what a lot of people do is they they go and look for a property that they like. They then make a low offer and they wonder why that offer gets rejected. And the reason is the seller was just not motivated enough. So the tip here is look for sellers who are motivated, who've got the circumstances where they need to move quickly. And then you can decide if that's a property you want to buy or not. So look for sellers, not for property. And obviously, it must be ethical. We can get a win-win that works for them and also works for us. But more about this in the next episode of this podcast. So golden rule number two is we only ever buy in an area with strong rental demand. There must be plenty of good tenants who want to live in this area. I was speaking to an investor last week who said she was struggling to put good quality tenants into her property. As a result, she'd had void periods, which is where she had some empty rooms. And also she had bad tenants who just didn't pay. And so there's got to be lots of demand in the area so that you can be fussy and choosy about the tenants you put into the property. You want to put good tenants in who can afford to pay the rent and who are going to pay the rent on a very regular basis. There's no point putting a bad tenant in who's not going to pay because it takes a while to get that tenant out and all that time they're not there. Not only are they not paying you rent, it means you can't put someone else into that property who could be paying you rent. And so I asked her why she thought she was struggling. And she was very honest. She said, well, I've just bought in a bad area. So just because a property is cheap, it doesn't mean it's a good property. You must be able to rent it out. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a liability instead of an asset. Now, you can go and do online research to check out the demand. You can go onto any property listing website to see what kind of property is available in the market. You can look at the pictures to see the standard of that accommodation. You can see how much that is available for. And then you can contact the local letting agents in the area to ask them, hey, look, I'm thinking about buying a three-bed house in this area. Do you think you can rent it out? How much can you achieve? So tap into local knowledge to really make sure that you know there's a really good, strong rental demand. And this is one of the reasons actually for investing close to where you live or where you work, because you're going to have a natural, better understanding of what is the good areas and what are the not such good areas. And you only want to buy in areas where you know there's going to be a good, strong rental demand. Now, rental demand can change over time and you want to look at what's happening to the area. If they're building lots and lots of new build properties, that's obviously going to increase the supply of property, which might bring prices down. But also look at the demand. Are they stimulating employment? Are they extending universities or building hospitals? Um, are there incentives for businesses to come into the area? This is all going to stimulate demand as well. But it's very important to make sure when you buy, it stacks up so it's a good area with a strong rental demand. 
Now, this leads me very nicely onto golden rule number three. And golden rule number three is we only ever buy a property that gives you positive cash flow. So what do we mean by positive cash flow? Well, at the end of each month, when you get the rent and you take away all of the costs, there should be some money left over, some profit for you. Now, obviously, you do have to pay tax on the profit that you make. And in the UK, in April 2017, the government brought in new legislation, which changes the way that property investors are taxed. Most property investors used to own property in their own name. And if they were a higher rate taxpayer, which most property investors are, then they're going to be paying more tax on their property. Now, this is a pretty bad thing to come in, very surprising for a conservative government to bring in a policy like this. I think they've done it because, A, they wanted to collect more revenue, but I think they want to encourage more landlords to own property in companies and a corporate structure because then they're easier to regulate and also easier to collect the taxes as well. So I think there's a very deliberate reason that the conservative government have done this. But the point is, we must make positive cash flow. And if you think about it, if you have any other business, when you make profit, you have to pay tax in that business. When you have an income, you have to pay tax on the income that the employer takes out for you before they give you the salary. So paying tax in itself is not a problem and there are ways to minimize the tax you pay. But you must understand that unless a property gives you profit at the end of the month before tax, I believe you should not buy it. because. If it's not making you money every month, there's a chance it might become a liability where you have to dip in your pocket to subsidize it each month. And that's not a good thing. We only want to buy assets. Asset is something that puts money into your pocket. A liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. If there's no cash flow, sometimes people justify it but say, well, I'm buying it because I think the area is going to go up in value. Um, and so I think long term, it's going to be a good investment. And yes, I agree. In the UK, generally over the long term, property prices do go up. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But there's no guarantee that will happen. And actually, I think you should only buy a property because it makes a great return on investment right now. It gives you cash flow every single month. For me, that's what property is all about. You can work once and get paid forever, which is really important. So let's think about the costs that are covered. Um, because a mistake people make is they sometimes think, well, okay, I take the rent and then I take off the mortgage and that's it. The rest is profit. Well, that's not the case. It kind of depends who you rent the property to. If you have a single let property, a typical buy to let where you might rent to a family or a young couple or an individual person, in that case, the tenant is responsible to pay all of the bills. So you as the landlord, you're going to pay your mortgage. You're going to pay your insurance. It's very important to have the correct landlord insurance on the property. And if you've got a, a management agent looking after the property, which I recommend, you're going to pay the agent a fee. And if it's a leasehold property, like often apartments or a leasehold, you then got service charges and ground rent to pay. But the tenants pay everything else. So the tenant's going to pay their local council tax, which is the, the money that goes to the local council to pay for the facilities and amenities provided by that council. The tenant is going to pay their own gas and electric and utility bills. The tenant is going to pay for their own TV license. They're going to pay for their own broadband internet. So in a normal single-let property, the tenant pays for all the bills. If, however, you have a house of multiple occupation, where you rent out multiple rooms to lots of people, or you have serviced accommodation, 
or furnished holilets where you're letting for a very short amount of time, in those two scenarios, the landlord will pay all of the bills. So you need to factor that into your calculations. So as I said, very important, after all of the costs that you as a landlord are responsible for, there must be money left over at the end of the month. Otherwise, my advice would be do not buy that property. Now, this links into golden rule number four. Golden rule number four is we always buy for the long term. Now, yes, you can make money short term in property. And depending on what's happening in the market, many people like the idea of buying a property, adding value to that property through refurbishment. So, for example, you could find a property from a deceased estate. So an old person was living there for a number of years. Unfortunately, they passed away. The family inherit that property. They don't really want it. They decide to sell it. Because the old person was living there for many years, it needs some refurbishment. It might need a new kitchen and bathroom to modernize those. Might need decorating, painting, new carpets. And then suddenly it's a more desirable property. So buying a property, renovating it, and then selling it quickly is called flipping property. It's a great strategy in the right market conditions. You want to have a rising market. You don't really want to be flipping property if the market's stagnant or even worse, if the market's coming down. Many people, when the property market's booming, they make money by flipping property. They buy something, they do it up, and they think they're very clever. But actually, most of the profit they've made is because the market over the long term has gone up, not necessarily because they've been very good at buying. And they keep doing that strategy when the market turns is often when they can lose money. So my preferred route, and, and I have bought and renovated and sold property, and yes, you can make good money doing that. But the problem with that is when you sell a property, you're going to cash in and you're going to crystallize any profit you're going to make from that property. You're never going to make any more money from that one property. And so I like the concept of investing in property and getting paid forever. In fact, the concept is you work once. You've got to put some time and effort in upfront to actually find that property, but you work once and get paid forever. Because what that means is each month you get some profit. As long as you follow golden rule number three and you're only buying for cash flow, every month you're going to make some money. And that happens for as long as you own that property. So if you think about it, the real long-term value is to buy property and hold. I've bought and I've sold property in the past. And to be honest, I've generally, generally regretted most of the property that I've sold because if I'd held on to that property, I would have seen a lot more profit over the long term. In the UK, a figure that's very often quoted is that property prices double every 10 years. Now, that's not strictly correct. It doesn't double every 10 years because it kind of depends which 10-year period you're looking at. Property prices go up and they also come down. We saw in 2007 at the peak the market then crashed into 2008 and 2009. And so if you bought something in 2007, in 2017, that may not have necessarily doubled because if you bought at the peak, it then came down, it had to recover. However, if you bought property in 2008 and 2009, at the bottom of the market, over the last 10 years, most property has more than doubled in that time period. So if you want to check this out yourself, you can go onto Google and you can look for land registry house prices. And if you look over the last 60 years and do the calculations yourself, you'll see on average property prices do double 
about every eight to nine years is what I calculated. So with that in mind, the longer you hold the property, the more the chances are property's gone up over time. And I've certainly got properties which I bought over 20 years ago, which have gone up in value and come down in value. But because I still own them, I know they've gone up, they've doubled and they've doubled again. So I've seen this doubling every 10 years over on average has certainly worked for me. And by holding property in the family and passing it on to future generations, that's the way to build true wealth. So really... If we believe long-term property prices are going to go up, they do fluctuate. Sometimes they come down, and but they do correct and go up. And the reason is, in the UK, we live on this island with a limited supply of accommodation. What that means is, over long-term, property prices go up. And that's because, you know, there's a limited amount of space on this island, and we have an increasing population due to increased birth rates, and longer life expectancy, we're all living longer. So the population is going up. We don't have any more space. And so rents and values over the long term increase. Now, sometimes people say, well, that's great, Simon. But if the market goes up and it comes down, why don't we wait for the time when prices come down and then we can buy when they're nice and cheap? Now, the theory is great. And this is a concept that comes from the stock market where you buy low, you sell high. The problem is it's very difficult to know exactly where we are in the property cycle and predict what's going to happen. And actually, if you wait till prices come down, you might be waiting five years, 10 years, have a really good growth. And at some point, they will definitely come down. But how do you know when they've hit the bottom? How do you know this magic time to buy? It's very difficult to judge. And my belief is, as long as the property stacks up today, what I mean by that is it gives you positive cash flow because you're following golden rule number three and you're following golden rule number two, buying an area of strong rental demand, then actually, does it really matter if short-term property prices dip? As long as you're going to hold the property and if you can easily rent it out and make cash flow, why on earth would you sell that property? So as long as you are investing for the long-term, it really doesn't matter if you have some short-term dips, as long as you follow golden rule number two and golden rule number three, because you can afford to hold it for the long term. So golden rule number five is always have a cash buffer. What do I mean by this? Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, sometimes things go wrong in property. Um, you might have a property where you've had some bad tenants and they've not paid the rents. So you've had to pay the mortgage and it's taken a while to get them out. And when they've gone out, there's been some damage. And you've got to fix that damage. Now, many of these things, by the way, can be covered by insurance. You can get insurance in case your tenant decides not to pay. You can get insurance to cover against damage. But let's just say things happen that maybe aren't covered by insurance. And the landlord is using their cash flow to cover this. And you can do that to a certain extent. But you always want to have some extra money set aside. Now, it can be money in a bank account, or it could even be a credit card facility. But the point is you can pay to fix your property. Because if you have a property that is not rentable, because maybe you get the last tenants out who didn't pay and you've used all your cash reserves covering the mortgage, and you can't fix that property up, it means you may not be able to attract new tenants into the property. It might be a good area, but unfortunately, your property isn't up to scratch. And Thus, it remains empty. And then suddenly you have a liability instead of an asset. It's costing you money each month rather than putting money into your pocket. But if you have this cash buffer, 
you can afford to get the problem fixed quickly and get the property rented out. Some of the motivated sellers that I meet are landlords who don't have this cash buffer. They've had some problems. They can't afford to fix it. And thus they think they have to sell the property. So don't fall into that trap. Please make sure you have a cash buffer set aside. So that's pretty much it. Those are the five golden rules. Let me just do a quick recap for you. Golden rule number one, we always want to buy from motivated sellers. Golden rule number two, we only ever buy in an area with strong rental demand. Golden rule number three, we only ever buy a property that's going to give you positive cash flow. Golden rule number four, we're investing for the long term to benefit for that long term capital appreciation. Golden rule number five, always have a cash buffer. If you follow these five golden rules, you will minimize the mistakes you will make and so you can maximize your return. Whenever I hear about an investor who's got into difficulty, they've usually broken at least one of these golden rules. I would hate that to happen for you. So please listen to this very simple guidelines and apply them to every property you buy. And I know you're going to be a more successful investor. So in the next episode of the Property Magic Podcast, I'm going to be talking about how to pay less for your next property and every other one you buy after that. And the way you do that is by working with motivated sellers. So I'm going to talk about what is a motivated seller and what makes them motivated. Why would they sell their property for less than it's worth? You really need to get your head around that. We're going to talk about how to find these motivated sellers. By the way, they are everywhere. And also, how can you help them so that you make money and it's part of a win-win deal so everyone gets a great result from you working together. So until next time, remember to always invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property training for free. All of the details are in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.